This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Business of football. Welcome back. Here we are. I'm Dan Roberts, and it's week five of the NFL season, episode five of our podcast. Uh, Believe it or not, we are actually a quarter of the way through the NFL season already. Uh, Hard to believe that does happen so quickly, but it's 16 games in the regular season, and we've seen four of them. So we are chugging along, and boy, 25% through the season, the biggest narrative for sure remains uh, TV ratings, President Trump, and players kneeling during the anthem. And I, I would say it's fair to sort of put all those together as part of the same ongoing story. The story being uh, Colin Kaepernick was not signed to a team. Other players have taken up his mantle and continued his protest, which originally was intended to raise awareness of police brutality and the plight of black Americans. Uh, But now those protests have taken on a different sheen, I'd say. Uh, In many ways, some players, I think, are just protesting President Trump. But anyway, uh, all of this involves advertisers in a really interesting way. It involves the NFL sponsors and it involves advertisers because you wonder, when does the noise about something like this get loud enough that advertisers start to rethink their approach? Now, we discussed this very issue week two, and this was before it even became so loud. It was before President Trump got involved and started tweeting angrily about the NFL. But we discussed it as it relates to official NFL sponsors. Uh, Our guest at that point was Elizabeth Lindsay from Wasserman, who works with these official sponsors. But this episode, we're going to look more into the advertisers. Not all of them, of course, are official sponsors. These are companies that spend to advertise during football games because they see the value of reaching football fans. And the question is, is that value diminished right now as a large part of the country claims to be outraged that players are disrespecting our flag by kneeling when the anthem plays? They're nervous. I mean, it's just it's just how it works. Everyone is looking at the numbers. They're looking at the ratings. They see that they're down 13% in the first week, and they're they're nervous. They're like, well, are we overpaying? What are we going to do? Can we have makeups? How else are we going to get this exposure back? That was Brian Cristiano, who is the founder and CEO of an ad agency called Bold Worldwide. Uh, he works with a number of companies that advertise during football. He also has a sports business podcast of his own, Good Guest, so stay tuned for our chat with him. Now, let's look at the ratings trend so far this season. Uh, We know that last season the NFL suffered, in some weeks, its worst ratings declines in 15 seasons. So there were a lot of high expectations, a lot of scrutiny going into this season. People wondered, would it bounce back, uh, or would ratings be bad again? So starting with week one, they were down 13% on average. And, you know, boy, that's an eye-popping number. That's, that's very bad. But, of course, there's a big caveat there, which is that Americans were focused on news coverage of two major hurricanes, Harvey and Irma. And uh, Nielsen and some others said that, you know, the, the, the hurricanes were a significant distraction. Uh, now, in week three, if we fast forward to week three, really interesting change started to happen. CBS and the NFL were touting that ratings were up, and uh, a number of places reported that, said, oh, ratings were up. But actually, that was only if you included the numbers for the pregame shows. And 
boy, it's not hard to imagine why pregame shows were up. This was right after President Trump's remarks in Alabama, right after his many angry tweets. And I think fans very clearly wanted to see what football analysts would say about the protests. Unfortunately, the numbers suggest that they tuned in for the pregame shows and then they tuned out for the games. Uh, CBS's pregame show up 33 percent in week three. Fox's 11 a.m. pregame show up 30 percent. Fox's Sunday night pregame show up 9 percent. These are crazy, unheard of bumps for the pregame coverage discussion. So that suggests that that, uh, people really are paying attention to this controversy. Now, everyone wondered, would the controversy boost NFL ratings? And some people would say, I support what's going on in the NFL, so I'm going to vote with my viewership and watch. Or would it have the opposite effect? Would it cause a decrease in ratings because people say, I'm boycotting, I'm tuning out? Because I, I'm with President Trump. I'm outraged that players are disrespecting the flag. And boy, you see a lot of noise on social media. You see, you see a lot of people claiming that. But the numbers don't suggest that that happened either. Uh, if you just look at the ratings week three for the actual games, there were very slight declines. And I would argue that it could have been that way regardless of the ongoing controversy. And I think the biggest thing we have to remember as we talk about ratings and we try to you know, dissect them and, and point to something and say, here's why they're down, is that all of live sports ratings are down across the board. And it's due to cord cutting. It's due to the fragmentation of cable. So I think this is all part of the same trend. We're seeing that live sports, and yes, especially the NFL, more than anything else, was long considered the last remaining bastion of cable, the last reason to pay for cable. And I think that's becoming less and less true because you have more and more options of ways to find an NFL game. Maybe not the actual full game, but certainly highlights and clips and summaries here and there in bits and bytes. Uh, You have more options than ever before. And so people may not see the value anymore of watching a full game on cable. Now, let's bring this back to the NFL sponsors, the big blue chip American, mostly publicly traded brands that spend a lot of money to have the highest possible relationship with football uh, amidst President Trump's comments and amidst more and more players either kneeling or sitting during the anthem or standing with locked arms. Amidst all that, uh, the official NFL sponsors, and there are 35 of them, have been pressured to issue public statements taking some kind of side. Now, mostly they're silent, but we have tracked this very closely at Yahoo Finance. Uh, Six of them have at least commented in some way or another on the ongoing protests. Under Armour, Nike, Ford, Hyundai, Anheuser-Busch InBev, and Bose as we record this just before the start of week five. Most of them have tried to remain neutral. Uh, They say something like, we support the flag and and we support our national anthem, but we also support free speech, which in the end, you know, you're sort of siding with no one if if you try and side with everyone. But I thought it was interesting. Nike really uh, took an overt side. Nike said, Nike supports athletes and their right to freedom of expression on issues that are of great importance to our society, period. It's a single sentence, but it's very strong. There's no hedge there, no attempt to cater to both sides. We support free speech. We support the athletes' free speech. The end. So how are advertisers, and that includes these official NFL sponsors, going to shift their approach if this continues? I think that's going to be the biggest question for the business of the NFL moving forward. And I would stress I do think it's going to continue. Uh, My colleague at Yahoo Finance, Rick Newman, who often covers politics and and uh, was a great follow during the political campaign, the election. 
Uh, he wrote a great piece last week where he said he believes the NFL will defeat Trump. Defeat meaning move on from this controversy, survive it. And I agree. But at one point in that piece, he said, you know, this particular moment, this Trump versus NFL and Trump railing against the league, this will peter out in a couple weeks. I don't think so. Uh, we're four weeks in. I don't think this will peter out. I think the NFL will be at the center of political controversy for the rest of the season. So we're going to get into how advertisers monitor this, what they're thinking, even if they're silent, what they're doing behind the scenes, how they might shift their approach, how they should shift their approach with Brian Cristiano, our guest. So here we go. Brian, we know the TV ratings have dipped a little bit again this season. And then you have all this controversy and vitriol from President Trump. What do you think the attitudes are right now of all the many companies that advertise? I mean, there are official league sponsors, but then there are also just companies that pay to run ads during football games. Uh, what are they thinking? What's the temperature right now? They're nervous. I mean, it's just it's just how it works. Everyone is looking at the numbers. They're looking at the ratings. They see that they're down 13% in the first week, and they're, they're nervous. They're like, well, are we overpaying? What are we going to do? Can we have makeups? How else are we going to get this exposure back? And obviously, they're just over thinking it. But yes, they're thinking that way. It's funny, though. I, I mean, you tell me, but I always think that, boy, it would take a lot for the NFL to no longer be the primo, most desired American sports property. You know, we talk about the NBA and the NBA is nipping at its heels. Uh, revenue around $10 billion compared to the NFL's $14 billion this year. Uh, I'm a baseball guy. I still love baseball, even though everyone loves to talk about, oh, the waning popularity of baseball. But, uh, you know, it just seems like football is king, and I don't see that changing. Look, it's still dominating, right? And I think it will continue to dominate. But the NBA is nipping at its heels. I don't think they're going to overtake the NFL anytime soon. But the difference is, is the access level to the players, the personality difference um, in the NBA, whereas the NFL is still very, it's all behind the shield. And that's not what fans want. Are there companies, you think, that have either behind the scenes or overtly decided that not being involved with football sort of makes a statement. I mean, certainly the ones that are, they are always very hesitant to come out and, and say anything when there's a negative story. Are there some that the reason that they don't associate with football is because there are these these negative aspects? Absolutely. I think that there's a lot more brands that are hesitant to do it because of the potential negativity than there are that do actually become sponsors. The difference is, we don't know who they are, right. which is which is exactly what marketing and advertising is. And that's why these big, these advertisers that get the value keep coming back. And really, at the end of the day, yes, you can disagree with the the act, the actual details of the controversy and, and whether that's a bad thing. You know, that's a that's a personal issue and a, a totally different discussion. But when we're talking about marketing, it's about attention. And does controversy give more or less attention? It creates more attention. Right. It's like the old uh, any press is good press thing. Of course. I mean, if people people might be outraged, but then they might be more likely to watch a game they wouldn't have watched otherwise. Absolutely. And the people that are, are most angry are the people that end up watching the most. I mean, you go, go all the way to the, back to Howard Stern when they did. They said, what was it that um, they said? We asked how much time the biggest fans spend listening to the show. It's an hour. How much time do the biggest haters spend listening? <laughs> it's two hours a day. Right, right. It's the same They're thing. They're looking for fodder to complain about. Of course. About. Of course. And Absolutely. so we, while the details, again, can be a negative. It's just it, it all comes down to attention and who's talking about what. Since you strategize on ad approach and, and that kind of thing, uh, in general, is there something that the companies that do advertise against football 
uh, don't do enough either tone of ads. Like I know that I have a, a certain thing. I'll give you mine. I think that the companies that advertise during football don't have enough of a sense of humor. They're, they're so serious about it. And it's either it's a serious message or it's football is family or whatever it is. And, and even when they're funny, it's not the type of sense of humor. I, I'm talking about being a little provocative, you know, edgy sense of humor, even maybe being able to tease football a little bit, being able to poke fun at the NFL. I haven't seen that really from any big companies. No. And look at, and I know you've had Eric and Nardini on the show, look mm-hmm. at Barstool Sports. That's why it's blowing up because right. they're poking fun. They're, have, they're, they're making it comedic. Uh, they're being real, but also, you know, not taking it too seriously. And that's what fans want now. The old, let's take it really super serious. Those days are those days are gone. The, everyone wants that real conversation. And I think that's what it all comes down to at the end of the day is where historically all marketing has been manufactured. It's what story do we need to tell our audience yeah. instead of what's going on and how do we expose that to our audience? It's real. That's what consumers and fans want. Uh, do you think that these companies and brands will actually get that sense of humor eventually, or will it take a shift in the type of companies that advertise against football? It's going to take a shift. Yeah. I, I think it's still a long way out. We'll see some brands do it, probably smaller, mid-sized brands that understand that the risk-reward uh, scenario for them is greater, so they're going to take that gamble. But I think as we see that media changes, as you see just the numbers that Barstool Sports is putting up and some of the podcasts that uh, the amount of listeners that are getting a podcast are outranking some of the most prime time sports television, you have to really start to think about, well, why is that? And so that conversation is still going to take a long time until some of the bigger brands really step up and accept it. You know, I, I was asking, uh, we had in uh, another person who works with NFL sponsors. And I asked her, do companies see what's happening and are they reacting quickly enough? And she said, well, tech companies are, those that exist in this space. But, you know, B2B and big consumer brands, uh, they move slow. Is that right? Yeah, I think they all move slow. I, I, I honestly, even some <laughs> right. of the, the bigger tech companies, I think, are slow, with the exception being the platforms, meaning Amazon, Facebook, even we can have a whole other side discussion about Snapchat. But the platforms are moving quickly. But the actual companies that are marketing – I haven't really seen any of them act in almost real time. It's very rare. It's it's like when it happens, we all talk about it. Exactly. And then I mean, we, we don't can hear count, about it for six more months. Yes, we can count on one hand the number of examples because they become famous. There was Oreo, you know, and there was a, a lighting problem in the Super Bowl, right? The power went out. That's right. And they did, oh, dunk in the dark. And right. Dip your Oreo in the dark. I mean, it's so famous. And I just laugh because, boy, the amount of PR, positive buzz, mileage that they got out of that 30-second split decision has lasted for years. Still and it speaks it. less to the impressive achievement that they did and more to what you're saying, which is that other companies have been slow to do something similar. Of course. And it's just about, again, it's about being part of the conversation in real time instead of manufacturing a story that's going to take place in six months. How does a company be part of the conversation in real time? Uh, maybe it was already a couple of years ago, but at some point we started seeing ads in the Super Bowl that had a hashtag in them. And to me, that's like... Well, yeah, that's 101. That's the most basic. That shouldn't be getting overly praised. But there was a time when even that was an edgy new thing. And I remember one specifically. I can't remember what company it was, but they did a hashtag, and it was a giveaway. And by the end of the game, they would announce who won the money if you retweeted it. So everyone was shamelessly retweeting their tweet because they wanted to be considered, you know, it was like something with cash or maybe it was a lottery I don't know. But uh, what are the newer examples that either are happening or that you expect to see soon that represent a company creating a conversation in the moment? 
Well, I mean, I think we saw at least a, t- a try at it, which was it was Snickers, right, that did the live ad in the Super Bowl. Yes. It was terrible, let's yes, be honest. Yes, correct. But they tried something, which I'll at least give them kudos for trying. Um, what, what I, where I see it starting to happen is, is brands hopefully figuring out that, well, when the commercial break comes on, all the attention is gone. Nobody's actually seeing our 30-second ad in that X amount of minute break. It's not happening. Where are they going? They're going to Twitter. They may be on Facebook. They're talking about the game. So how can you engage those people during that break on your own directly? And it's not about making an ad. It's about added, becoming additive to the conversation because brands continue to just rob engagement and they just rob the they, they rob and pillage all of the <laughs> fun that's actually happening. Whereas, again, I, I think you got to look at like a Barstool Sports um, in Bleacher Report where you know yeah. they have no, no problem poking fun and having a good time and putting out gifts during the game that are additive to the conversation and brands just need to think about that more more or less being more of a media company than being an actual like I'm going to tell you what I want you to buy right now because that just doesn't work today. Brian, uh, back in August, a peer of mine, Darren Rovell, the sports business guy at ESPN, tweeted a thought that five years from now, the biggest employers of sports journalists will be teams, individual athletes themselves, and brands. Uh, And of course, I would argue those people then wouldn't be journalists. And I would think that stories that run on the website of a brand would basically be ads. Do you see this headed that way where brands are going to hire writers to tell the story and that's going to be the the sort of storytellers of the future? Yes, but a lot of them are going to get it wrong. Which is exactly what you're talking about, which is, okay, we're going to literally think about the old school model of being a media company, which is we're going to write about all the athletes that are involved with our brand or with our team, and we're going to talk about them as if it's news and we become the news source. Fans don't care. They're just going to go to, again, they're going to be, they're going to get the news from Twitter. They're not going to your website to read that one article that was super mediocre about Serena Williams. They're not. Where the brands that will win in the next three to seven years that figure this out, it's about how can I give you access to the players that are part of our brand in a way that no media company has ever been willing to do. And I can't obviously disclose the the player, but we're in the middle of a discussion right now with a very, very large player that that you and everyone would know about basically documenting his journey as a as a professional player and telling me what's going on on and off the field, personal life, Mm. business. Authentic. uh, Just essentially documenting, just telling yep. me what's really going on. And the difference being that, yes, you can go on ESPN and you can see the 60-second, 90-second highlight of this player or this team, or now you can go watch 10 minutes, 15 minutes of behind the scenes. That's not phony. It's real. Right. And that's what fans really want. They want that. You know what it is? It's just the depth. I want more. I don't want you to tell me the highlights. I've already seen that by the time, by the time you're talking about it. Yeah. I already know what the highlights are. I already know who won. I don't care. I want to know what is in the player's head and mind. And and, and to go back to the, Le, the LeBron uh, example, which is he's – you know, $58 million or $54 million in endorsement deals. Why? Because he has personality. Yep. He gives people access. He's pretty active on social media for the most part. And then you go to, uh, you know, Tom Brady or you even go to, like, yes. Peyton Manning. Obviously, when he retired, he was making $15 million in endorsement deals. He didn't even have a Twitter account. I right. don't even know if he still does. Well, and their presence is so polished. Like, I'm a Patriots fan. I love Tom Brady. But, you know, let's be honest. He, he just recently joined Instagram. That was this big story. Wow, mm-hmm. now he's on Instagram. But... Everything posted, we know, is done by a content team. Of course. It's all so polished. So what you're talking about, I think the appeal isn't just the depth in terms of look at all the different things you get to see, but it's how, I imagine, 
it's uncut. It's raw. Give me Derek Jeter Facebook Live for an hour every other week where I get to ask him questions as a fan that I really want to know, and he answers them honestly without the filter of a PR person or the team. It's like when, was it Antonio Brown did something from the locker room and got in trouble? And it was because he got in trouble because the coach was talking at that time, and people said, oh, disrespectful. But you know what? I love it because he was in the moment. He was excited. He was you know jacked up, and he holds up his phone and does it. And you know that it hasn't gone through six editors who've polished it and inserted interstitial ads. Yes, exactly. And how much did the fans love it? Right. So people, we're still talking about it, right? And that's where I, I think that the big mistake happens both on the league level and the brand level or the company level, which is they forget at the end of the day, why do any of these sports and leagues even exist at the scale? Because of the fans. What do Stop asking, like, how do we get a 30-second spot in here and start asking, what do the fans want? Like, and it's who, an entertainment. People forget it's supposed to be an it entertainment. Is. It's all it I is. I mean, it's a circus, you know? Yeah, I mean, we love it, but it's more than that. But yeah, it is. It's entertainment at the end yeah. of the day. Uh, You mentioned earlier and gave some props to both Barstool Sports and you mentioned Bleacher Report. Uh, Just recently, both announced new live shows on Facebook's watch platform. And not to be confused with like an Apple Watch, an actual device. It's Facebook Watch. And the the difference here, as I understand it, Facebook actually pays for these shows. They're funding these original shows. Uh, In general, when you talk to advertisers, especially advertisers that advertise during sports, uh, how is Facebook – Uh, messing everything up for them, or maybe it's improving things for them. I mean, Facebook specifically, with its mega audience, uh, what changes are being brought about that can be credited to Facebook? So here's the complaints that I hear all the time. One is, oh, organic doesn't work anymore. It's all paid. Well, first of all, yeah, obviously Facebook needs to make money. So most of the engagement that you, you need to put money behind it, number one, just like you would buy an ad, right? You have to put money behind it. So it's not just about putting out organic content and letting it disappear into the the oblivion that is Facebook, it's about coming up with a plan to make sure that it gets seen, one. But two, content that's really good, that's really engaging, you don't even need paid. It still will reach. It still will hit. It might be harder, but it means you need to work harder at the content. So those are some of the complaints. The cream rises. Of course. Mm -hmm. It always does, right? And so I hear complaints about that, that, oh, well, you have to pay and this and that. But you have to pay everywhere, number one. The other thing is, is, oh, well, it's taking attention away from television. It's taking attention away from broadcast. So what? So it's the brands that are worried about complaining about it and trying to keep things the way that they are instead of figuring out, well, how do we, okay, if it's taking attention away, how do we jump on this? Yeah, adapt. Adapt. And, and that watch platform is incredible. So obviously Facebook's putting, uh, you know, is investing in some of this content, but there's also, you can still create content and potentially get listed on there. And now you're almost in this searchable TV network and it's the early days. It is the early days. Like now is the time to do that. And again, it's where you just really take a couple steps back, forget about the way everything has been and you just go well what do fans want they want instant engagement they want access to the players they want big personalities they want real stuff and they want it in video format at least for the most part uh i mean it's already written like what you need to do but everyone's still trying to just adapt the old playbook instead of scrapping it and coming up with a new one facebook has the biggest audience by far twitter still small something like 350 million Uh, To me, I always have to remind myself just how small, because as a reporter, I love Twitter, but it's so small. Uh, Instagram growing fast, Snapchat, and what they all have in common is they've all begun really trying to sell ads hard and and get advertising right. Uh, I know Facebook, you know, you could say, well, it's the biggest audience, so so obviously it's Facebook. But uh, is there one of these platforms that stands out in terms of which one right now do you think has the most value and appeal for advertisers? Well, Facebook still has by far the most value and appeal. Every number that we see 
from from our clients, and we aggregate all of our clients' data, so we see this like pretty pretty wide, and it's a it's a lot of money. So we we can really more than statistical significance. Facebook kills every other platform. Wow. It just destroys it. I mean, you can get direct sales, you can tell long tail stories. It's just you can do so much, and their ad product is so incredible and so expansive, and they are constantly tuning it and adjusting it and trying new new tactics. Um, Instagram, which of course is owned by Facebook, is the one where I think has the most upwards potential. Mm. Um, I mean, we're seeing more people. Uh, Instagram added stories, what, less than a year ago. Yeah. Instagram stories already has 3x the amount of people using it than Snapchat. Yep. And they just keep it's robbing. Better. It's just a better it's product. It's a substantial too. better product. Yeah. And every, you know what I was saying the other day is I said, you know what Facebook's doing is they're saying, you know what, we don't even need to invest in R&D anymore. Let's just let <laughs> Snapchat come up with some cool stuff, and the next week we'll just I deploy know. it. I know. And that's what's going on. Nothing so I think yet. Snapchat's the worst, actually, of all the advertising platforms. It's terrible. The ad product is not good. Um, it really – they do not have any of the tools. I'm not saying that they can't change it and it won't go somewhere. It's still obviously incredibly early, but as it stands right now – now, like, like ad platform for what you get as an advertiser to ad platform is Snapchat is at the absolute bottom of the barrel. Let's finish on a hypothetical. We're all wondering, we're all prognosticating whether the ratings will be better this season. Let's say that they're bad. Let's say that they're really bad. What can companies that pay to advertise during football games do? What should they do? What would you advise a client who says, look, I don't want to walk away from the NFL, but gosh, it's losing viewership. Do they change the ad? I mean, we we hear a lot about how the smartest advertisers can shake up their plan mid-season, some of them even mid-week. Yes. I, I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is those advertisers need to stop thinking about how do I change my 30-second you know, voice to something different to grab more attention because you're not. The eyeballs are continuing to whittle away. How can I leverage whatever deal I have either with, directly with the NFL, with a player, whatever, and what else can I do that's off of the actual 30-second platform right. on t- broadcast TV, and how can I now – uh, capture some of that audience and give the fans what they're asking for if the NFL is not doing. Yeah. And now I know we're talking about a whole bunch of gray area and theoreticals there. No, it's but, true. But that's where they need to be thinking. Yeah. Go elsewhere. Give them something exciting and new. That's the key. Break out of the box. That's, that's what it. I think a lot of them don't do enough. They're in the box, baby. Yeah, and they don't, they don't need to rely on that break between the, you know, b- b- between the action. They don't need to rely on it. They can create it. It just matters that now they have to think about how do they invest their energy and their money into doing something that's worth going elsewhere to see. Yeah, and make it worth it for me to keep watching. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Brian. Okay. That was a good interview. Uh, Always love talking to Brian, and I thought it was especially interesting about how advertisers should probably be doing more to shift up their approach, to innovate, to make their ads look different, to turn them more into a story, but they're not. Uh, I think it's a reminder that for all we love to talk about the changing face of media and the fragmentation of cable and how everything is uh, rapidly shifting and and starting to look different and there's Snapchat and there's Instagram and and all these different platforms. For the most part, linear cable advertisements haven't changed and have been very slow to adapt. Uh, The ads that you see running during football games this season, they don't look that different than what we're used to. And uh, Amazon just began its Thursday night football streaming last week and the ads that ran during the Amazon stream didn't look that different either. 
you know, too many of them think, okay, my window to, to reach fans is when they go to an ad break. But as we all know, we're up, we're going to the bathroom, or we're getting food, or we're off the couch. And I actually think this speaks to the power of the NFL. It's true. The league reaches you at all other times anyway. So why shouldn't advertisers? I mean, wake up. NFL reaches you in various ways, whether it's news updates, social videos, tweets from athletes. It reaches you all year round and at times when you're not watching football. In fact, I would argue that the times when I'm watching an NFL game are when I'm least connected to all the other related posts and news about the league because I'm looking at my television or looking at my second screen, so to speak, my phone or my iPad, and I'm in the uh, the in-game window, as the NFL calls it. But the league news, the, the stuff, the content is coming at you all year at all other times. So I agree, advertisers need to realize that. And I think it speaks to, again, the power of the NFL. It's not going anywhere. It is bombarding you all the time. And so the advertisers need to adapt to that, and they need to learn to reach you at other times as well. So let's get into where the NFL ratings are going to go due to this controversy overall. The answer is, they might continue to dip, but my biggest lesson, my biggest takeaway, and I know I've said this before on this podcast, but the NFL is not going anywhere. I swear, you know, President Trump can say whatever he wants, say the game has gotten soft, say that the players are disrespecting our flag. Some people will say I'm boycotting, but the NFL continues to grow every single year. Uh, I think it's really important we mention last season had this huge ratings dip. That is factual. That is true. The league can't deny that. Everyone knows that. But you know what? Revenue is going to go up this season, uh, projected to hit $14 billion for the league. And the amount of money that comes from official NFL sponsors is going to go up. Uh, last year, the NFL got $1.25 billion of its revenue from sponsors. These numbers are going to continue to rise regardless of the changing face of cable. And I think the NFL knows that it will soon have to adapt even more than it has to cord cutting. And I think it will do that. Uh, we can talk about how other leagues may have been faster – that's fine, but the NFL is not going anywhere. And if you look at the way that advertisers have shifted their approach on social, they know that these platforms are coming up. Uh, the ads may not look different, but they're all doing more. They understand that they need to reach fans uh, in different ways than ever before. The NFL is the prime sports property in America. And in fact, if you look at the fact that President Trump has targeted it and criticized it, well, boy, he isn't talking much about the other leagues. Uh, you know, he disinvited Steph Curry, who's an NBA player. That's fine. But you don't see Trump talking about baseball. You don't see him talking about the NBA as a league. What you see is a focus on the NFL because the NFL is the story. And it all loops back to what we discussed in our first episode of this podcast, the obsessive, incessant media coverage, the fact that all the other sports have a season and we discuss them when it's their season. The NFL almost has no season news-wise. It dominates the discussion all year round. Uh, I go back to our guest from the first episode, Erica Nardini, the CEO of Barstool Sports. She said, here's her quote, there are all these stories of football's over and the concussions and people call it the no fun league, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You should have seen the thousands and thousands and thousands of fans in Philadelphia. She's referring to the NFL draft. Draft. And the ratings for the NFL draft reflect this. The fact that just the draft, which 
is not by its nature interesting in any way. I mean, I'm a football fan, and I care about the results of the draft. I care about reading the next day which teams got which players. But to watch the draft, I mean, visually, that is not an engaging thing. But it gets huge ratings. People will watch anything NFL-related. NFL films, ESPN specials, 30 for 30s, uh, the HBO show, Hard Knocks, the, the behind the locker room and seeing which players get cut. Any little bit about the NFL will get attention. And Brian Cristiano mentioned that, you know, tracking uh, an NFL player on his day-to-day story. Uh, Antonio Brown going live on Facebook from inside the locker room when the coach was trying to talk to the team. He got in a little trouble, but people loved it. It's real. It's raw. I mean, with no other league do we get so granular. We dissect the celebrations and the rules around touchdown celebrations. We dissect the social media policy and what the NFL and the Shield allow each team to do. People are not going to just suddenly stop caring about the NFL. So, uh, again, I I love talking about this. I'm a broken record on this, but... All of the noise on social media, people who claim that they're boycotting, that they're not interested anymore, I just don't believe it. Maybe they watch fewer games per season. Fine. Maybe they stop watching a game earlier and they don't watch the full game if it's not close. Fine. But, boy, I think it's going to take a lot for any other major American league to catch up to the NFL. Uh, That's not going to change. Advertisers are not going to walk away. Sponsors are not going to walk away. They are silent so far for the most part on this controversy, and they don't want to have to issue a statement because they don't want to have to take a side because football fans – in America, are the most valuable property to these advertisers, the most valuable demographic. That's not going to change. What do you think? Why am I wrong? Why are you bearish where I'm bullish on the NFL? Why is the NFL going to lose its top position sometime soon? Tweet at me, email me, tell us, post on our Yahoo Finance Facebook or comment on the story that I write to go with each episode. And speaking of the episodes, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Find us on Apple, Amazon, Google, Acast, everything that has podcasts, we're there. Listen to us, and I will see you next week. Episode six, week six. Goodbye. <laughs>